Section 1 of Sir Francis Drake. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Sir Francis Drake by Julian Corbett. Chapter 1 The Reformation Man. Part 1 of all the heroes whose exploits have set our history aglow with romance there is not one who so soon passed into legend as francis drake he was not dead before his life became a fairy tale and he himself as indistinct as sir guy of warwick or coquemitaine his exploits loomed in mythical extravagance through the mists in which for high reasons of state they long remained enveloped and to the people he seemed some boisterous hero of a folk-tale outwitting and belabouring a clumsy ogre and that our drake might david parallel a mass of man a giant he did quell so punned a west country protestant and even now the most chastened explorer of pay-sheets and reports cannot save his imagination from the taint of the same irrational exultation that possessed the admiral's contemporaries the soberest chroniclers reeled with unscholarly gait as they told the tale and the most dignified historians made pedantic apology for the capers they felt forced to cut from his cradle to his grave the story is one long draught of strong waters and the very first sip intoxicates peer into the mists that fitly shroud his birth and all is dark till on a sudden the veil is riven with an outburst of catholic fury then while the flash of the explosion illuminates the scene a small party of desperate protestants are seen flying for their lives and in their midst a blue-eyed curly-haired child scarce out of boyhood who is francis drake so reformation set her seal in his forehead at the outset it was in the year fifteen forty nine when edward the sixth was king and on whitsunday the new service book was to be read for the first time throughout the realm to the fervent simplicity of the west country folk to whom the mass was the beginning and the end of religion it was as though christ were being banished from the earth and ere the week was out all devon and cornwall were in a blaze of religious riot in the heart of the conflagration lay tavistock where still green memories of the kindly monks added fuel to the flames little mercy was there in the shadow of the old abbey walls for active partisans of the new order about the great centres of trade there was now growing up on the ruins of the middle ages a party democratic in politics and religion the nucleus of the revolutions to come and of such was little francis's father edmund drake he had once been a sailor they say and that is not unlikely for his kinsman old william hawkins like his father before him was a great merchant and shipowner of plymouth and first of all englishmen had sailed to the brazils in king henry's time now however edmund drake had taken his place among the lesser western gentry and was settled down in substantial comfort at crowndale hard by the town of tavistock there he had won himself powerful friends as a strong reformation man with a turn for preaching which in those days when politics and religion were not yet divorced took the place of political speaking 
the great earl of bedford himself the most powerful of the protestant leaders bestowed upon him his patronage the earl's eldest son francis russell held the preacher's firstborn at the font and endowed him with his own name as he afterwards endowed francis bacon thus honourably the flail of the papacy was baptized into protestant faith but now the preacher's great friends were only a source of danger there could be for him no thought but flight the most powerful of his political patrons could not shield him where he was for the earl himself with all the forces he could muster at his back dared not approach within fifty miles of his own seat at tavistock but in the good protestant town of plymouth edmund drake had friends to shelter him for william hawkins and his sons owned a great part of the town out in the harbour lay st nicholas island which in the years to come was to be honoured with the blue-eyed baby's name and there as a throng of fugitives gathers for sanctuary darkness falls upon the preacher's flight but it is only to startle us again out of all sobriety when next the veil is lifted so like a fairy tale the truth appears in chatham reach off the new dockyard was the anchorage where the navy ships were laid up when out of commission and there too lay veteran war hulks slowly rotting to death so well had edmund drake's friend stood by him that one of these had been assigned to him as a dwelling-place and with it an official appointment as reader of prayers to the royal navy to such a nursery had catholic devotion driven the most redoubtable of its enemies what wonder that it bred a crusading sea-king the clatter of the shipwright's hammers in the dockyard the sea-songs of the mariners as they polished the idle guns the fierce and intemperate denunciations of his father's friends vowing vengeance on the idolaters who had defiled the house of god such were the first sounds his dawning intelligence learned to grasp his eyes could rest nowhere but on masts and guns and the towering hulks of warships which lay anchored about his floating home his very playthings were instruments of destruction the prayer he lisped at his mother's knee was little better than a curse so passed the first years of his boyhood and year after year was born another sturdy little protestant till edmund drake had round him twelve young champions of his hot opinions as it pleased god the old chronicler rejoiced to say to give most of them a being on the water so the greatest part of them died at sea boys whose lullaby had been the rush of the tide and the hum of the wind in the standing rigging were marked by destiny for a sailor's life and the influence which their father commanded seemed to open the navy to their ambition but as francis approached the age of apprenticeship all his interest was lost at a stroke in the summer of fifteen fifty three the sickly young king breathed his last and a catholic princess reigned in his stead drake's party found itself fallen from the delectable mountains of patronage into the valley of the shadow of death and soon protestant england was chafing ominously at the news that mary was to marry the prince of spain the new faith the very independence of england seemed at stake and it was under young drake's eyes that the storm of opposition burst he must have seen wyatt ride into rochester and establish his headquarters in the castle he must have heard him call on all true englishmen to rally to his standard to save the country from the pope in spain 
he must have seen the fleet in the medway supplying the patriot rebel with artillery and shouted with the rest to see the duke of norfolk recoil before wyatt's banner from rochester bridge then came the pause while london was beleaguered and then the block and gibbet were busy with those who had failed friends namesakes perhaps even kinsmen of the drakes suffered with poor wyatt and francis was at least old enough to know it was because they had lifted their hands against spain and rome for the issue was so clear and feeling so intense that children forgot their games to play at politics they snowballed the suite of the spanish ambassador they fought mock combats between wyatt and the prince of spain and once were barely prevented from hanging the lad who represented philip these were the boy's first recollections and upon them came a rude change of fortune to heap up the hate that was gathering in his masterful temper for rome and spain the preacher's occupation was gone his prospects shattered and he had to seize any opportunity to launch his sons into the world francis was apprenticed to the skipper of a small craft that traded to france and holland it was a poor end to his brighter expectations the hardships of a shipboy on board a channel coaster in those days are to us inconceivable in danger privation and exposure the lad was moulded into the man and even as his frame was being rudely forged into the thick-set solidity that distinguished his manhood so was his spirit being tempered in the subtlest medium that destiny could have chosen as he passed to and fro upon the narrow seas in the months of his hottest youth he was plunged into the most violent religious passion which the reformation ever evoked for ere he was well on the threshold of manhood philip was goading his low country subjects into a frenzy with his insane persecutions on quay and market and shipboard the horror of the inquisition was the only talk and the flemings were flying for sanctuary to england elizabeth who had now begun her reign received them with open arms and the preacher too held up his head as the tide turned once more his devonshire friends and patrons were those who had stood most stoutly by the young princess in the darkest hours of her danger they were now all powerful and edmund drake was gladdened with the living of upchurch on the medway fortune smiled on francis no less his master died and out of love for the lad who had served him so well left him the vessel on which he had been apprenticed the young skipper could thus begin to trade on his own account and it can hardly have been but that he brought over bands of flemish refugees and caught from them something of their defiant and implacable attitude toward their persecutor year by year the grumbling of the coming storm grew louder and the narrow seas began to swarm with protestant rovers revenging themselves with wanton cruelty upon catholic ships england was their base and market and at last in january fifteen sixty four spain in a fit of just exasperation closed her ports and seized every english vessel on which she could lay her hands drake's trade was stopped but it mattered little he sold his vessel and entered the service of his two kinsmen old william hawkins's adventurous sons a wiser step he could not have taken the brothers already large shipowners at plymouth and london were more than maintaining the family name for skill and enterprise captain john the younger brother had just returned triumphant from that first slaving voyage of his 
which so darkly ushered in the grandest era of English maritime adventure. The shareholders were reveling in an unheard-of profit, and court, commerce, and admiralty were bowing before the brothers as society now caresses the last enthroned financial king. In October 1564, John Hawkins sailed again to repeat his happy venture, but Drake did not accompany him. As soon as diplomacy had removed the embargo, he had sailed as purser of a ship belonging probably to William Hawkins to the Biscayan province of Spain, and once more it seems as though the finger of destiny had beckoned him there to show the work he was born to do. St. Sebastian was the chief port of Biscaya, and there at this moment were creeping from the pestilential dungeons of the Inquisition the remnants of a Plymouth crew who had been seized when the embargo was first proclaimed. In six months half of them had rotted to death, and it may even have been that his ship brought home the broken wretches that survived. So successful was John Hawkins's second voyage, and so alarming the activity it bred in the English ports, that Spain began to tremble for her monopoly of the western trade. She had absolutely forbidden her American subjects to traffic with foreigners, and particularly in negro slaves, and so indignantly did the ambassador protest against Hawkins's conduct that the council, still ignorant of their strength, felt themselves obliged to bind him over the following year not to go to the Indies. But if he did not go, an expedition went. It was under the command of a Captain Lovell, one of the forgotten pioneers of North America, and with it sailed Francis Drake. It was his first sight of the fabled Indies, and one he never forgot. For in attempting to set the prohibition at defiance in the port of La Hacha on the Spanish main, they found themselves the victims of some treacherous stratagem which sent them home with the loss of all their venture. End of section one.